Good morning and welcome to the Castle Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church worship this morning. It's a beautiful Sabbath morning and I'd like to welcome you wherever you are, whether you're at home around the TV set, watching from your phone, at the beach, in the bush, wherever you are, welcome. We're very blessed today to have our teens lead out in our worship service and our, our theme for the month has been a great blessing for our family. It's the theme has been letting go of and we were particularly blessed by Mitch's sermon last week letting go of bitterness and today we have Dr Brian Craig presenting letting go of control and I very much look forward to the message today I'd also like to personally thank you as a as a church family for the blessing of your prayers for my father who sadly lost his fight uh, a few weeks ago it's been an emotional journey for us, but I'd like to really thank you as a church family for the many prayers that you've offered for my dad over many months. And I know that those prayers have lengthened his life and helped him in the fight that he had. Thank you so much and welcome to our service today. Good morning, everybody. And thanks for joining us in worship today. As you know, this month's series of sermons is about travelling light and it's based on Hebrews chapter 12 which talks about laying aside every weight and throwing off everything that hinders us. So we've been focusing on letting go, letting go of the stuff or the things that weigh us down on the Christian journey. When I heard the theme letting go, my mind went immediately to the film Frozen and its breakout song, Let It Go, which is sung by Queen Elsa. For many people, this theme, Let It Go, is an anthem of acceptance, a song that celebrates and calls to action those who are holding a deep, dark secret or something that hinders you from living a full and abundant life. So today... We're talking about letting go of control. You know, being, being in control and out of control is quite topical at the moment. We've been focused on a lot on getting control of an out of control pandemic. We've seen the consequences when things get out of control. I mean, it leaves us all feeling afraid and uncertain, isolated and disconnected. We're also left feeling that things got out of control as we fought to survive the most horrific bushfire season that we've seen. So I guess being out of control is quite scary, even life-threatening. I'm sure you all saw the footage, the video footage of Bunnings Karen that went viral several weeks ago. A woman who went to Bunnings in Melbourne and refused to wear a mask. As she walked into the store, she was immediately stopped by staff and asked if she had a mask. Well, it's clear I don't, she said. 
and you're not authorised to ask me or question me about it. Now, this was before masks became compulsory to wear uh, in Victoria, but the staff member then asked her if she wanted to speak to the manager. The manager told her she needed a medical certificate if she wanted to stay in the store. Another staff member told her that wearing a mask is a condition of entry. And at that, she totally lost it. That's discrimination, she said. And I can have you sued personally for discriminating against me as a woman. I mean, who would have thought? But no one, no one could convince her that she had to wear a mask to be allowed to stay in the store. A little while later, um, a guy who declared himself as Higo tweeted. This is what he said. Oh man, I just saw 10 seconds of Karen at Bunnings and it, I had to turn it off. I honestly can't stand those anti-maskers. It's not hard, nor particularly uncomfortable to wear one. So stop being a selfish, self-entitled twat. It's not forever, you know. Well, on a personal level, being in control of your life It's one of the major tasks that we all must achieve in life as we grow and as we mature. We're we're taught to get control, certainly not to let go of control. Being in control is about learning how to grow up, to take responsibility for your life and to develop self-control. It's about getting control of your life by making good decisions, controlling your emotions and behaving appropriately. So it's about establishing your identity, finding your purpose in life and developing a strong sense of self. There's an interesting saying in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 25, where it says, A person without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So to be clear, to be in control, you need clear boundaries. You need a clear sense of self. When we fail to develop good boundaries, self-control, a strong, healthy self-identity, when you fail to do that, you struggle to find yourself, to get your act together. And this can leave you feeling very insecure and uncertain. Life seems confusing. So whatever happens, you do your best to get control of your life not to let go of control. I remember when my boys were teenagers, Saturday night they were heading out 
I said, hey, so where are you guys off to? He said, well, we're going into the city. I said, okay, so what are you going to do? They looked at me like I was asking a foreign question. They said, we're going to find ourselves. Oh, oh, just to find yourself. Um, You know, some people can feel so unsure and insecure about themselves that their fears and their anxieties drive them to become obsessive about getting everything and everybody under control. And they end up being what we call control freaks. They micromanage everything, they demand perfection, they're very judgmental, they undermine other people, they dictate and control social situations. It's kind of like it's their way or the highway. Well, that's a bit over the top. They need to learn how to let go of control. Now, I understand that when you let go of control, life can feel pretty scary. And it's like that with parenting. I remember some years ago that a a man came to me at church and said that he was really he was really worried about his his daughter. And I said, "So what what is it that worries you about your daughter?" And he said, "Well, she's out of control. She's just out of control." And I said, "Well, so like tell me what out of control looks like." Well, he said, for example, last Saturday night she wanted to go out with her friends, you know, and she knows that there's a curfew, like at 11 o'clock she's supposed to be in, but, um, you know, as she was leaving, I said to her, so so where are you you going? Who are you going with? Who's driving the car? Who's going to be in the car? Like, I had a lot of questions about where she was going. And I said, remember the curfew. If you can't be home by 11, be sure to give us a call. I said, okay, fair enough. So what happened? He said, well, we're like, we're, you know, like we're, we're waiting for her to come home. And we're watching the TV, you know, hey, hey, it's that, you know, some ridiculous thing. We weren't watching the show, we were just waiting. But it came half past 10, 11 o'clock, hadn't heard a thing. We decided to go to bed, but we're just laying there in the dark, looking at the ceiling, waiting, waiting. Finally, we hear a car come down the street. No, that wasn't hers. She just kept going on. And anyhow, the, the car finally pulled up in the driveway. And she came walking up, you know, up the front path, opened the, opened the door and looked into the bedroom where we were and said, good night, as if, hey, everything's cool and you're awake, you know. So anyhow... So what did you do? He said, well, I flew out of bed and I followed her down the hallway. And as I was going, I, was, I don't know what I was saying, I was mouthing off at her, shouting. And when I got to the bedroom door, she went in, slammed the door in my face and I was like stopped and was stunned. It's like, what? 
and he said, so, I said, so what, did, so what did you do? And he said, well, I opened the door. He said, I rushed in. I just let her have it. I said, what, it's her birthday? You gave her a present? He said, no. I told her, I said, listen, that's it. No more. You're not going out with that crowd. You're not going out on a Saturday. No, you cannot keep the curfew. And he started yelling and shouting right in front of me about all that he was saying to her. And I said, whoa, whoa, hang on a minute. Who did you say was out of control? Oh, yeah, he said, yeah. Well, and it's funny, isn't it? The more things seem to get out of control, the more in control we try to be. Reminds me of an Old Testament story of Samson. Strong, gifted, he had it all before him. But he had trouble getting his life together, finding his purpose. He foolishly thought that he could have he could have anything that he wanted. And the Bible tells us that he said to his parents, get her for she pleaseth me well. I mean, he was a guy that had no boundaries. He didn't listen to no. And he got what he wanted. And she proved to be his downfall. This self-willed strong man didn't realise that doing everything in his own strength, was his greatest weakness. He was so petulant, immature and selfish that he had lost control of his life and wasted his giftedness and his future. What was it that Proverbs said? A person without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Without clear boundaries, a clear sense of self, you're like a city broken into, left without walls. All our efforts and good intentions to take control and to live our best life so often fall short of expectations and leave us disappointed in ourselves, disconnected from others. We can spend a lot of time trying to get it right, make things right. So often our efforts to get things under control end up in anger, in tears, in guilt and shame. But we insist, I've got this, I can make everything right, all on my own. It's very stressful and exhausting, trying to get control and stay in control of your life. So here's the thing, our problem is that we live in a culture where we love, we're in love with ourselves. We're possessed with our own comfort and satisfying ourselves. We want it our way, it's all about me. We have a voice and we need to be heard. We can be so self-focused so self-centred, and after all, that's human nature, isn't it? That's the way we're wired, right? I'm interested in what Hans Salier, the pioneer in who the, the pioneer in understanding uh, human stress, he maintained that the greatest cause of distress 
for human beings living in an environment of of disharmony is the stress of living with one another. It's not technology that threatens to undermine the quality of our lives, but rather unmitigated selfishness in our relationships. Through feelings of mutual indifference, we coexist, but we certainly don't cooperate with each other. There it is, unmitigated selfishness in our relationships. There's the problem, selfishness. And in a way, this speaks to the heart of our human condition. We struggle with ourselves. We're bound by our selfishness. And we tend to feel inadequate, flawed, broken. Or we try to cover that up. Selfishness and sin were certainly at the heart of Jesus' concern. He came to address our human weakness. He talked about the need to let go of sin and selfishness, things that control our lives so that we can't find ourselves and learn the secret of living successfully. Jesus, in Luke chapter 17, made this comment. He said, If you grasp and cling to life on your terms, you'll lose it. But if you let go of that life, you'll get life on God's terms. Lose yourself to find yourself. That's a radical idea. And there's something paradoxical in what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that if you try to control your life, you will surely lose control of it. But if you give up control of your life to me, and for the sake of the gospel, you'll find it. See, you only really get control over your life when you surrender, when you give up on yourself, when you let go of control and let God take control of your life. See, the reality is that you cannot save yourself from yourself. This is one of the things in life that you can't do. You can never control Trying harder to get things under control won't do it. Boasting that you can make this happen on your own or in your own strength won't save you either. What you need is a complete change of heart. Or I like to say a heart transplant. What did Jesus say? If you grasp and cling to life on your terms you'll lose it. But if you let go of that life, you'll get life on God's terms. Jesus is saying, lose yourself to find yourself. If you let go or surrender your life to him, 
that is, if you die to your old self and get a new identity, you will be transformed and live a new life. Now, it's interesting because this is exactly what Jesus was saying when he, when he spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He said, I'm telling you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot be in God's kingdom. What Jesus was saying was, what you need, Nicodemus, is a fresh start. A new heart. A new life. A renewed self. What did Jesus mean by being born again? Just that, that a fresh start requires a complete change of heart. You can't change yourself, improve yourself or say, I've got this. The old life or the old self must die and a new life is given to you by the Holy Spirit. Through his Spirit, Jesus is working in you, changing you, transforming you every moment, every day. And it's all his work. When you choose to let go of control, that is to surrender to Jesus, self is changed. I mean, the selfish thoughts and actions like anger, jealousy, resentment and fighting are gently replaced by love, humility, generosity and peace. It's true, love changes everything. In humility, you place an honest estimate upon yourself. You live your life out of gratitude and you find a sense of serenity and peace. It's through his life and death and resurrection that Jesus saves us from ourselves and makes us new again. This is the way that God has cured our selfishness and our sin and transformed our lives into something new and wonderful. This new self is what King David asked when he prayed for in Psalm 51, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and make my spirit right again. It's what the prophet Ezekiel said God would do for his people when he said, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new life, a, a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And incidentally, this is the response that Jesus gave to the rich young ruler when he asked, what must I do to have this life? this eternal life. And Jesus said, well, keep the rules. Which rules? And when Jesus started to expand on the commandments, he said, yeah, 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 I've kept, I've kept all those religious rules. And he had. He kept all the rules, behaved himself very well, lived a good and holy life. Was that not good enough? What else could be important? Was there something he was lacking? What is it that I lack, that I'm missing? 
Jesus told him to stop trusting in his own performance and his own possessions, to let go of his self-centred life, embrace love and follow God. Follow God's way. Lose your preoccupation with your old self and find a new life filled with love and kindness and compassion and mercy. And look, he didn't need to turn and walk away sad. All he needed to do was to let go and surrender. And friends, we don't need to turn and walk away sad either. This theme is clearly what the Apostle Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 5 and 8 when he said, and I want to read to you his words. He says this, Jesus personally took on the human condition, entered into the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral strength and performance. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God and ends up thinking more about self than God. And he says, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery that life makes in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift that Jesus provides? He got us out of our trouble and got us into life. And by entering through faith into what God always wanted to do for us, set things right, make us fit for him, we have it all together with God because of Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on in his letter to the Galatians where he sums up his counsel that he's been giving to this church. He says, my counsel is this, live freely, live animated, motivated by God's spirit, then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit, just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. So, Paul says, what happens when we live Christ's way? What happens when we surrender our lives to him? He says he brings gifts into our lives much the same way as fruit appears in an orchard. Things like love, joy, peace, patience. These are the gifts that he brings. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Legalism, Paul says, keeping the rules is helpless in bringing this change about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected to getting your own way 
is crucified. It's dead. So this is the kind of life that we have chosen, the life of the Spirit. Let us make sure that we don't just hold it as a nice idea in our heads or a lovely sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implication in every detail of our lives. Here, my friends, Paul is inviting us to die to self and to live for Christ, to live a resurrected life, or as some call it, the resurrection life, a life that is transformed by the power and the presence of God at work in us. So Paul in 2 Corinthians invites us, just as he did the church in Corinth, to take a good look at ourselves. Examine yourselves, he says. Make sure that you are living the resurrection life and working out its implications in every part of your life. So I guess my question this morning is, is this resurrection life this gift of transformation, something that you are committed to allowing God to work every detail into your life now? Or is God's grace, God's amazing good news, is that just a nice idea that you hold in your head or a lovely sentiment that you have in your heart? When you let go and let Christ control your life, He bestows on you an unbelievable honour, the honour of his loving kindness and faithfulness, his compassion and forgiveness. He delivers you from your selfishness and gives you rest from your troubles. You become a member of his family. Or as the psalmist in Psalm 103 says, he renews our youth like an eagle, so that we can soar to new heights, change our perspective, sing a new song and flourish. My friends, you do well when you let go of control. You do well when you continue to let go and let Christ take control of your life. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we thank you for your presence with us today as we've worshipped together. We thank you for your wonderful love, a love that speaks to our hearts, to our human condition, to our struggles with ourselves and gives us the promise, if we trust you, of a new heart, a fresh start, a heart like yours. And we pray today that this might be our continued experience as we give over control of our life to you to guide us, to bless us, that we might flourish and enjoy your love This is our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen.